In linguistics, reduplication is a morphological process in which the root or stem of a word, or even the whole word, is repeated exactly or with a slight change used to express plurality or intensification or to create a new word entirely. Used in a wide variety of languages and regional dialects within the same language throughout the course of human history, reduplication is considered a phenomenon in the field. Riffraff, topsy-turvy, zigzag, chit-chat, dilly-dally, tick-tock, and hip-hop are examples of reduplication. When the duplicated word rhymes with its stem, this is known as rhyming reduplication. Examples include never ever, true blue, boob tube, sky high, pooper scooper, tidy whities, fuzzy wuzzy, okie dokie, itsy bitsy, and super duper. The lattermost phrase was used by hip-hop R&B crossover artist Missy Elliott as the title for her 1997 debut album, only with a slightly modified phonetic pronunciation by dropping the ER for an A, a linguistic modification white people would come to associate with the term urban. But is this debut a higgledy-piggledy, hoity-toity, fancy-schmancy mess that gives us the heebie-jeebies? Or does the Missy Timbo Double Trouble duo have enough razzle-dazzle to make us feel lovey-dovey and say, holy moly, this is their hi-fi primetime heyday? Grab some Nutter Butters and a Mellow Yellow. We're about to have a powwow to review Missy Elliott's debut album, Super Duper Fly, this week on... Welcome to Gold Don't Rust, the only podcast about hip-hop that puts your nostalgia on trial. Today we are, we're bouncing, we're bopping, we're feeling super duper. I don't know if you guys noticed, I've been literally bouncing in my chair. Giving it a little shimmy, yeah. we're all giving it a shimmy right now and I love that. But before we get into the shimmies and the shakes and the bops and the bangers, let me introduce my co-hosts. We have Captain Dope of the SS Suburbia. Andrew Barrow. Yo, what's good? That's me. That's Andrew Barrow. And we, oh, of <laughs> course, as always, we have everybody's favorite curmudgeon. It's Rick Strip Jr. Quit pigeonholing me, man. I've been in a good mood these last few episodes. That I know true. you have. <laughs> <laughs> He's been good. He's been it's very good. It's just from knowing you personally as long as I have. I'm still the begrudging curmudgeon, though. The begrudging curmudgeon. Yeah. It, is hard. it is hard to be a curmudgeon, though, when you're feeling good. Yeah. When you're feeling good, when you're listening to, to this week's album, today we are redu- reviewing Missy Elliott's debut album, Super Dupa Fly. Yes, sir. Rick, you want to give us some background? I sure do. So this was Missy's debut solo album. Uh, also her debut recorded album, but I'll explain why I said solo. Came out July 15th, 1997. Debuted number three on the Billboard charts. It was released on Elektra Records, but a subsidiary of Elektra, which was called The Gold Mind, which was Missy's own personal record label, hmm. that she got a deal for based on her past work and wasn't really initially intending to be a solo artist. It's produced okay. entirely by Timbaland. Yes, it is. There yes. was 
four singles. Of course, the self-titled single, Super Duper Fly, also The Rain. And then Sock It To Me, Beat Me 911, and Hit Him With The He. It was uh, very, very well critically acclaimed then and now. Not so much sales at the time. Ended up making that Rolling Stone list we've talked about a few times, or I'm sorry, the Billboard list we talked about a few times, the top 200 albums of all time. Mm. It was number 93 on that list. Okay. It was Grammy nominated for Best Hip Hop R&B Album, Lost to Puff Daddy, No Way Out. Ooh, wow. <laughs> it's so freshly ah, insulting. This, this, this album is haunting me. It really is. <laughs> It won't go away, bro. What the fuck? It's going to be a theme on the show. It's going to be a theme oh on the show where gosh. Puff Daddy fucks with you, Drew. It will not go away. You know what, though? I'm almost glad we did that right before this because not only did it lose to Puff, but there is some interesting parallels. Um, in fact, including before Missy started Goldmine, she almost signed a bad boy. Mm. Wow. Just quick Missy and Timbo background because it's important for this conversation and because it's interesting to me missy initially was an r&b singer in a group called phase f-a-y-z-e they impressed a dude from jodeci by singing acapella backstage at a jodeci show and he immediately was like come to new york and be part of my team so she went with phase and brought her friend timbaland who was Mm. nobody at the time Mm. they signed to swing mob which was this whole thing with one of the guys from jodeci like 20 members of what was called the swing mob lived in a two-story house in New York together for about two years just making music, which is fire to me. That is fire. Like, that collective artistry is so cool. That's like, that's like, that's like, year, that's two years long of basically summer camp just making music all day, every day. Or it's like two years long of feeling like Bo Burnham inside and just cranking out as much as you possibly can. Right. Yeah. So that, that was a, yeah. a few years before this, before this album came out. Most of the stuff that came out from that period was Jodeci albums. Her group ended up not doing anything. They got shelved. She went back to VA briefly and then flew to Detroit with Timbo to help write, record, and produce Aaliyah's debut album, which is what got, which is what got Missy and Timbo really on the map. And that's mm-hmm. what got Missy Goldmine Records and led to Super Duper Fly. That's, that's hard. That's, a, that's actually a great... Backstory. That's a come up. Yeah. That's a come that's up. A, that's a straight up. That's a straight come up story. Yeah, I, I love that. That's a come that. up. I like that. The last thing I want to say is background about this album is this album was entirely recorded in two weeks time. Wow. Yeah, I read that too. Two weeks they pumped this. They pumped this thing out. Makes complete sense though. They were completely in tune. Yeah, and they were already a, a writing and recording and yeah, producing they were, they, duo. They, they've been doing this clearly. Right. Yeah. From what you just they told just, us, they just they probably had a bunch of song. It was recorded then. They probably had a bunch of song right. ideas for shit they were going to move to other people, and, and they, they were said, like, "Fuck it, fuck that, let's it. make it." Yeah, yeah, and let's just make it in two weeks. We got this stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's put this shit out. And I think that's immediately and constantly clear as we go through the album. Fuck uh, yeah, it the is. chemistry yeah. they had. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we uh, do what we always do on Gold Don't Rust? Let's mm. talk about our personal relationships to this album. And today we are going to start with Andrew Barrow. Yes. So this album for me is special because I liked Missy Elliott already. I mean, I know her from like things like Get Your Freak On and all that. I, I, I know that, you know, that Missy Independent, whatever that album's called. I know that album. But again, salute to the babysitters out there. The babysitter, her name was Tierra. 
she was like, have you ever heard Missy Elliott's, like, her album, like, her debut album? I'm like, no, what is that? Yeah, because what, were you, nine, you were nine or ten years old in 97? Right. I was I was literally nine years old in 97, so I, I wasn't, that like, I know the singles, yeah, but I still wasn't, like, in tune with music, like, oh, yeah, let me go buy that album. No. But here I am, 13 years old, it's like, okay, give me that, because I'm copying music, I'm downloading music, I'm making CDs left and right. She gives me that one. And I instantly fell in love with it. And I always go back to it to this day, no matter what. It like if it just if something reminds me of it, I always go back to it. It's just it's just it's it's one of those albums for me. Yeah, it's a that's a special one for yeah. you. It's like a special lifelong album for you. I like that. Yeah. Again, this is pretty much a fresh listen for me. I feel like a lot of these are are fresh listens for me. Well, maybe a lot of the things that are looked at as as classics I'm not that familiar with. Um well, it's the only song it's the time period, right? Yeah, the, the, exactly. The stuff from like the mid to late '90s that didn't exactly fit the mold of hip hop from that time, I took with me. Then I don't really, I don't really know it. Mm-hmm. So this is this is also a fresh listen for me. I knew the singles. I liked the rain, a lot. I remember that music video. I remember seeing it. Mm-hmm. I remember singing the hook because it is that good. I so I remember that, but that was all I had coming in. That was it for me. See, I knew this album in its entirely when, entirety when it came out. You know, as I've said before, and I'll say again, by the mid to late 90s, I was fully entrenched in all things hip hop. Mm-hmm. So I heard this all when it came out, but I was kind of conflicted about it at the time because, first of all, it, it felt, I mean, it still is, but it felt very R&B to me, which was not my lane at all. Mm-hmm. But also, the parts of it that I liked, I almost felt weirdly self-conscious about liking it was so different than what me and my friends were into. Like, you know, we were all into the hard stuff, the, you know, Nas, Biggie, Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang mm-hmm. Right, that's, Snoop, that's the 90s Pac. hip-hop right. I always took with me, too. Right. right. I, didn't, I didn't take the, the, the other side of it. I should have, right. except for, like, Outkast. And I definitely, like, loved this enough that I had the CD when it came out, but I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't really listen to it a lot. And like I said, it was almost like a guilty pleasure for me. So I think mm-hmm. I kind of overlooked it. But I've gone back to Missy so many times over the years because she's so much fun that I've listened to this album many, many times. All right, right on, right on. So it's gonna be. Fun. I think I think it's gonna be a, a pretty positive, a pretty positive review here, though. So let's get let's get into this. Yeah, let's break it down track by track. We're gonna start with the intro. Yes. Now this is one of my favorite album intros of all time. I think. Interesting. I love this fucking intro. I love the way Busta Rhymes comes on, showing appreciation, basically mm-hmm. just telling you, I popped into the studio, but this this shit is so hot, I can't not be on it. Let me do my thing. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do just an intro. He gives you a song. He gives you a verse as well. and everything. Yeah, he gives you everything. It's so fucking dope to me. And it's you want to 90- know what's dope? I didn't mean to cut you off, but the dope okay. shit about this backstory, I think, which is why... I love hip hop so much and why things like this are so dope. Um, Busta Rhymes, his episode of uh, of Drink Champs, he was talking about like how he was moving in the 90s and he wasn't, you know, he got dropped, like his, bro- the, you know, the group broke up and he wasn't doing any music and he was just yeah. doing features left and right. That's how he was making his money. So this, this, this one right here, he really was in the studio doing a feature for somebody else walking down the hallway <laughs> Heard this, stepped in the studio and was like, what is happening in here? That's yeah. th- like, it, it really is that organic. 
I think that's why the intro is so good. Yeah, really, it feels fucking great. Mm -hmm. You can see it's interesting to me because, of course, you know, even though we're all gonna pretty much love this album, we can't ever agree on shit. The intro is actually one of the things about the album that I would, if I was forced to make some negative comments, it'd be about the intro only because I don't really like when someone else's album starts with a voice that's not their own. I understand that. I get it. And also, it being Busta seemed weird to me at the time because Missy and Timbo had a deep camp of artists they constantly worked with and people they ran with. And Busta wasn't part of that crew. So it always seemed interesting to me that they had an outsider starting this album off. However, in retrospect, I love it because if there was going to be a peer comparison for Missy at the time, Busta's as close as it gets, probably. For sure. Mm -hmm. Which I have comments about that as we go on the album. But but I think also for me, the album really comes full circle, even especially with those intros. Busta does an outro and then Missy does an outro. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the comments I have on that, I guess I'll save till we get there. But to me, it makes the whole thing really feel cohesive. And when we get there, I'll explain. I also think it probably made a lot of sense then, because even though Busta was not the Busta Rhymes we knew yet, Mm -hmm. he was a more well-known voice in rap than Missy or Timbo was at that point. So it was almost uh-huh. like a, a upfront cosign of Yeah, of one of, of of one of the best at the time. 97 was when disaster strikes year too. Right. And that was right. that was a big year for Busta. Right. Yes it was. So that's the intro. So let's get into the first the first Missy song on the yeah, record. The first song. Hit him with the he. Yeah. So the the first comment I have about this is I love how Missy immediately on this album and throughout her whole career speaks in like her own language sometimes and yes almost speaks in nonsense but makes it dope right if you could tell me what hit him with the he means please do it right because i have no idea but i don't care because it sounds cool as shit it's so good (laughs) like they literally like created their own universe what I really love about this is one, they created their own universe. You you instantly feel like this this is a sound I've never heard before. They they're, they're bringing you into their world completely, and you start listening to the beat, and there's so many different sounds going on, and it's like, yo, what is happening? You can't help but to just bop, and then you hear Missy and her voice sounds so good, and it's like, yo, this is this what is going on right now? These beats are ridiculous from the beginning. <laughs> Timbo is a the, the fucking beats genius. On this record, are some Holy of shit, the most man. incredible beats I have ever ever heard. heard. And here's the cool thing about this album to me: Holy shit. listening to it now, almost 25 years later, Timbo always sounded one of one, and he mm-hmm. still do- he still does for sure. Yeah, he's always had a very unique and distinctive sound. But because this was one of the first rap, ex- I mean, this was the first rap example of Timbaland's production, right? before he was doing strictly R&B. But I realized right. why I liked his R&B slash his rap production. Yes. It's because he was producing, even all of these beats, even the ones that are just rap songs, Timbo was producing R&B tracks through a hip-hop lens. Yes. Like, like the drums and the pace of these beats are very hip-hop. Which is why Kim sounds so fucking good on it. Right. But they're, they're all built to be sung on as well which yes. makes it very unique for that time, which I guess Puff was trying to do with the bad didn't, boy guys. Didn't, didn't happen. Did not, did not get there. Didn't Especially not like this. <laughs> not like this. Not even close to this. 
I'm not saying on, on No Way Out specifically. I'm just saying the bad... Puff wouldn't even be good on The bad bands. boy Hitman R&B production was mm-hmm. also kind of blurring those lines between hip-hop and R&B. They were. Right. That's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the one comparison, yes. I but theirs that. was almost the opposite, and I don't know if it makes any sense to you guys or to listeners, but it makes sense to me. Whereas I said, like, Timbo was making R&B beats through a hip-hop lens, I always felt like it was the opposite. Like, bad boy stuff was or hip-hop beats that people were trying to sing on. Yes, that's exactly what they were doing. And it just gives it a different vibe to me. It does, because when you try to make hip-hop beats and put singers on it, it doesn't always go, it doesn't, right. do, it, it's not going to go well, because the beat doesn't, it's not, there's not supposed to be a singer on here. This is a hip-hop beat. I'll also say, another quick negative comment, I still hate Lil' Kim. This verse sucks. Well, yeah. Lil' Kim is, is Lil' Kim. I mean, yeah, you're, only, get, you're only going to get what Lil' Kim can do out of her. I mean, that's... That's what Lil' Kim does. To comment on the beats here, we were talking about them. The The Timbaland production is so good. I really, I listened to the beats a lot as I went through this. He has such a distinctive sound that he uses. All oh, of yeah. his sound library is so distinctive. And the way he uses instruments is pretty similar in each song. And it gives it a very unique feel that just hits with the right bounce every time. Like he has the formula for a bounce. Right. And the bass lines, if you listen to all the bass lines, they're real smooth and they're real minimal all the way through the album. The bass line on this song is so dope. It's so fucking good. It's so smooth, but it's so minimal. It just fits perfectly in the cut. And the way the drums bounce, all those little ghost notes he hits that just gives you that little pop and the different sounds he uses for percussion so it's not just drum the whole time. Bounce is the perfect word for it, too. The whole thing just bounces. It's straight up bounce, bro. And I think right away, you know how special Timberland and Missy are together because right. this is only the first song, the first song that we're hearing. And this is, this is like, yo, what's about to happen? Because this is incredible right now. Yeah. You can also immediately tell on this song, and Missy does it over and over, that she was initially a songwriter, not just a rap writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so much of this is, even the verses are melodic, they're almost structured like bridges or hooks a lot of times, like easy things to remember, repeating, just, repeating she phrases. Floats, she floats in and out right. of hip-hop and R&B beautifully. The way they produce all of her harmonies and the way they double up vocals in the spots, all the production of the vocals is beautiful. I'll be honest, I kind of forgot how, how good her voice actually was. That's what I that that's that's why she's one of my favorite singers. I know, and I remember when you said that, I was like, yeah, of course, you know, Missy. <laughs> but listening back to this album specifically, like, yes, in its entirety, this last week, I forgot how really, really good her voice is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she when she layers harmony, it's just, it's like magical. Yeah, it all makes it sense. Just gives though, you like this like fuzzy wuzzy, right? Again, like fuzzy, you said, wuzzy feeling. fuzzy wuzzy <laughs> feeling. Yes, for sure. But it's like Rick said, I mean, it, it makes sense to me now because her background is R&B. Right, exactly. That's, where, that's, that's, her, that's her pocket. Yeah, songwriting for other people. Yes. And big names. Right. And singing. And she's another one who apparently wasn't, you know, looking to go the solo artist route. And someone else convinced her that, like, you know, you've, you've got a style that you should probably push out there. And it's a good thing she did. I think the next song really puts it in perspective, like, oh, they're coming hard with this album. The next song, Socket to Me, is one of my favorite beats on the album. Yes. For sure. Mine too. First of all, those, those <laughs> horns those horns are so like Crazy. celebratory. It's just triumphant. What I really like about 
this song is it's the first time if you're listening to this album in sequence for the first time that he uses like weird abstract like sound effects as an instrument because there's like birds tweeting or something that he uses as an yes. instrument here yes and yeah. he does that a lot with his voice especially mm-hmm. later in this album and throughout his entire career mm-hmm. but he always had this weird awesome way of using things that wouldn't normally be parts of a like rhythm pattern like you know there's always be sound effects in rap music but not usually like set to a rhythm or a tone or a beat mm-hmm. and it, it I just love when he does stuff like that because it makes it sound so unique because it was, and it still is. The Brat is cool on here. I always like The Brat a lot. Yeah, whatever happened to her? I don't know. I mean... Does anybody I, know what I, happened I to The Brat? I remember she was all over, like, a, like all that. She was, a, she was on all well, that. Well, she, um, she was a Jermaine Dupri artist. Yeah, right. she was a so-so deaf artist. And I think she kind of got right. lost in the crisscross shuffle. And then right, once, yeah. once crisscross wasn't a thing, Jermaine Dupri started to go you know, more R&B himself. So uh, I think she kind of just got lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I always liked the brat. Mm-hmm. I also think it's yeah. cool that we're, we're two actual songs in and both the features are females. Mm-hmm. So, Miss, you know, Missy's always been both overtly and kind of subtly an independent woman type message. Like even mm-hmm. these, fir- these first two songs are both, you know, they're, they're sexual without being explicit. Which, yeah. were, which was very unique for women without, in, in hip-hop at the time. Shit. Yeah, like, without ho shit. Especially at the time. Like, R&B was doing that, right? But, but female rappers were almost strictly dirty sexual. And not only is Missy being sexual without being explicit, she's also being sexual in, like, an empowered way. Like, mm-hmm. For sure. Like, a lot of, like, you know, Kim and Foxy and them would talk about, like, what she would do to a guy. But Missy was talking about what the guy would do to her. Right. Which is, which is a very, like empowerment independent woman thing which is a cool theme to have not only for this album but for her career and it kind of sets you up for who missy is Mm -hmm. it's a good brand it's a solid brand strong independent woman brand i like that it's also some of my favorite singing on the album yeah the hook here is beautiful i really like it i really like it it's just the, the the chorus alone is just what my hormones jumping like a disco. Yeah. My hormones Man. jumping like a disco. It's so good. It's so good. And, and she also has, and the reason I compared her to, one of the reasons I compared her to Busta in my head is Missy sometimes says things that if you just read the lyrics or if someone else tried to say them, they might be corny. But because Missy's style is so fun, it's not corny at all. Mm-hmm. Like jumping like a disco or, or you know, popping like Crisco. Yeah, Missy can pull off corny. She does that across this album. And she pulls... She pulls it off so well. That's kind of what I mean. And like, we, almo- we almost only call it corny because, lack of a better term, but it's not that. It's just fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, if it was coming at anybody else's mouth, it'd be like, all right. Right. All right. But it's coming out of Missy's mouth, so it's like, this is cool. And she's so comfortable in her skin that it, even, yeah. even if you thought it was corny, she doesn't give a fuck. Right. <laughs> and that's what makes it work. Exactly. So good. All right, so that brings us to... The, the, big, the, the, biggest, the biggest single from the album. Right. Yes. The Rain. So this is another one, though. Not that my this, window. Not that this is a criticism, but I'm going to ask you guys, what the fuck is this song about? It's about, like, smoking weed and, like, chilling. I guess, right? right? That's, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's just, it, I think it's, just it's, it's a cool weed song. That's what I think it yeah, is. Yeah, it's a cool weed song. And again, song. I, don't, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I just, mm-hmm. you know... She somehow makes almost nonsense sound dope. You know what this? Like, you know what this? You know what this sounds like to me? They were high as fuck. Oh yeah! And they were in a studio, and Timbaland put this beat on, and it was just like ding ding, and it was like, yo, dun, dun, this is dun, so good. Dun, I'm just dun, bopping. Dun, and then dun, he was like, dun, 
this sample. Oh, come on, yeah. man. And then Missy's just in there, just going like, you know, bonk, 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 driving bonk, to the beach. Dong, dong. It be me, 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 and Timothy, and, and she, she can just do that, and she can just do flames. it. And it's just, it is just, it's just hard. Flames. <laughs> it's flames, bro. This is also the uh, this is the first beat on the album that has a lot of like Timbaland ad libbing mm-hmm. as like part of the beat. Even though it's not, yeah, it's not really using I his love sound as the Timbaland ad libs. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, uh-huh. give me all of them. Yeah, it's the it's awesome. Every fucking song, give it to me. It almost he almost has this um like third person narrator type of vibe to a lot yeah. of the times he's on these songs because it's almost like Missy didn't know he was gonna add that because mm-hmm. it's just like it's like when he's mixing and mastering he's just going uh huh and just leaves it on. Yeah, but it's it's more than it's more than uh huh. Like the his, his voice, the way he makes his voice sound, even when he does his like little, it's never a full rap verse. He'll give you like four bars maybe. Yeah, and he always has the same effect on his voice, even when he's doing his ad libs or he's just talking cool on a thing. He just sounds cool as shit. Absolutely. Every time he speaks, he could. He's another guy. He can pull off something that's kind of corny, and it doesn't sound that way mm-hmm. at all. I think this was a perfect first single. It is. It really, so it really set a tone for who Missy was. The video makes it. It, it sets the tone even more because it just shows how much fun she is too. Yeah. Nobody was making videos like that. So, no. so hype Williams directed the video, and you know, if if you have any background knowledge of hype, yeah, hype Williams was the man. He was the guy for hip hop videos, especially for stuff yep. that was a little bit more weird. He did a lot of Busta videos. Mm-hmm. His videos were always big. That almost started with Missy, and I always wondered how much of the video, not only for this, but, you know, even uh, Sock It To Me and Hit Him With The Heat, like, and all the videos later in her career, they weren't all Hype Williams, but they all end up being kind of the same. So was, was Hype borrowing from her style or was it just a perfect marriage type thing? But it's interesting because, you know, you could it watch... Was probably just, it was probably just everybody having a really good time. Absolutely. Yeah. It just seems like fun. I mean, you don't wear a garbage bag and inflate it if you're not having fun and when that, you're doing the it. The fisheye lens, which ended up being a, a so high volume good. staple. Mm-hmm. So good. God, everything about this song is incredible. It's good, man. My everything. six, almost seven-year-old son loves this song. Now, That's a good today. one to play for yeah, kids. he loves it. It is. It's great. A lot of songs on this feel like they could be on the radio right now. They mm-hmm. have a very timeless feeling to them. They have a really good, like pop quality to them as well beyond just r&b and timbaland's timbaland's a pop guy let's not forget about all the things he's made in his career justin timberlake sir he's a he's a pop guy (laughs) he's a pop guy so they started as an r&b production duo yeah yeah or they were aspirations of being pop artists too yeah they're a fucking hit machine that's what they do and it really shows all over this record man yeah the next song is one of my favorites the next song's hilarious to Beat me. Beat Me 911. I love mm-hmm. Beat Me 911. This is also one of my favorite songs for so many reasons. Try. But the first thing I want to say is how outdated is the title and concept? <laughs> yeah. Beat Me 911 or call me on my cell phone. Just, just Beat Me 911. Text Beat me, me 911. Me Nobody has beepers anymore. Beepers aren't even a thing. I would love <laughs> to play this song for like, like 18 to 25-year-old kids. Man, and see how many of mean? them knew what beat me meant. Beat me nine, yeah, beat me nine one one. Does anybody know that reference? Does anybody know what she's talking about? I don't think they do. But I also think it is a cool concept for a song at the time, though, because it's like it's basically saying, you know, the whole idea of the song is she knows that her dude's done with her, but he, she's saying like, let me know the moment you're sure of it, so I can be done too. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. literally like 
beat me and tell me you're over it so that I can be out and do my shit. It's so well done, though. That's a good sentiment, too. I like that, Missy. It's, yeah. it's more of her independent woman thing, too. Yeah. And, it's and really good. And 702 sounded so good on here. Yeah. I miss them, man. They were, they, were, they were supposed to do things. You know who else sounds good on here? At least I think so. Magoo. Yes. Now, I don't know how yeah. you guys feel about Magoo. I love Magoo. I love dude. Magoo. I always loved him, and I always thought he was perfect over Timbal and Beat. He is. Yeah. I don't want to use the word cartoony, but sometimes... He's cartoony, bro. But, but sometimes Timbo's cartoony. beats are, too, because of the yes. sound effects and the... You know, this song is one of the first ones where Tim uses his voice as a instrument. Like the, yeah, ah, and it's ah, good. Ah, ah, like as a symbol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because the sound is almost of the beats are almost like, you know, comic booky, cartoony, I think Magoo's perfect for that. He's got that weird cartoony voice, but I don't know, I think it fits and I always liked Magoo always. Yeah, and what really makes this song for me though too is Missy's verses. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's smooth, it's confident, it's beautiful. It's good. The hook's a fucking banger, the layering on this fucking song is unbelievable. The way the background vocals just lay in the cut, you barely even notice them, but they add so much atmosphere. The production on this song is one of the best examples of, of Timberland, period. Timberland production, period. It's, I, it's I, flawless. I really like that you said that because this was the one song for both of you guys. I was like, man, if they don't like this shit, fuck both of y'all because <laughs> no, I, I love this. me some R&B. I love this It's song. like, nah, fuck y'all if y'all I like this, this one. Song. But y'all over this. here like, oh, you love it. I'm like, yo, see, that's why I fuck with y'all. See, that's, <laughs> that's the thing, why though. I fuck with y'all. <laughs> and I think that's why, why. I think why I love it is what I said right from the first track. Like, Timbo's production, even on this song, which is an R&B song, mm-hmm. it's still yeah. hip-hop-driven pace and drums and, and style. Yeah. Like, and even... Just, you know, you just float on it, man. A couple you of float. times through the album, where she the the subject matter could be like slow R and B song, it's still got the bounce. Mm-hmm. Yep, because that's what Timbo does, it's, and it's what he did all over this thing. Speaking of, it's my window. I can't stand the rain. I got thunder coming in. Apologize if that comes through on the on the mic. It's all good. I think it's pretty yeah, yeah. fitting that it's actually raining as mm-hmm. we're listening to this, though. Yeah, right. I think it is. So the next song, they don't want to fuck with me. Was my was my favorite in '97. This is I understand. It's a great great song. Well, I think it's fucking. I think it was my favorite then because it's it's the first song on the album that's just a rap song, and it's also kind of just like the rap braggadocio shit. Like she's just basically saying like I can rap and I'm cooler than you and I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. And this beat is an absolute it's smasher. A, it's a smash. It's a smash, bro. <laughs> it's such this a smash. This thing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, come on. It's another example of Timbo using voices as an instrument because he uses Missy's little mm-mm, like mm-hmm. part of the... Yeah, the mm's. Yeah. They fall oh, in there. Gosh. So beautiful. Missy's incredible on the it's verses. so good. Just so fucking great. The hook, One of those songs you the bring, hook like just you makes run me it back. Fucking, I just want to blow it down and just be happy yeah. when it's on. This is one of those songs you run it good. back because it's, you, you just, as soon as it comes on, you're just like, that one feels good. Like, all the whole, everything feels good, but this one, it's like, oh man, you, you were, y'all, were, y'all were feeling it with this one. Yeah. yeah. It just hits you different. And this is an example of Timbo giving you like six bars, and that's all he needs to give you. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also like this song a lot in the context of knowing that they recorded this in two weeks. Because of what you said earlier, Pat, like a lot of this was probably stuff that was written at least partially with the intent of giving to other people because that's what they were doing. Right. 
This, to me, without knowing for sure, was clearly created entirely in that two weeks. Because mm-hmm. this isn't an R&B song that they were selling to someone. No, I, think, no. I think this was literally them sitting in the studio, listening to other shit they had done, really feeling themselves and being like, yo, they don't want to fuck with me. Like, literally, I think they created this out of a general feeling of what we're making is so fucking dope right now. They don't want to fuck and, with me. And I me. love that yeah. energy. I love it. Yeah, it comes off in this song big time. It, it does. And it also makes sense in, 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 the, uh, in the number, you know, the listing of the songs. It's song number six. Like, yo, y'all not fucking with me right now. Yeah, I've, you're not I've, fucking with I've me I've given right you now. five bangers in a row. You're not fucking with me. <laughs> nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing this style. Nobody has this sound. Nobody's fucking with me right now. And I also yeah. love that this song shows that Missy can um, carry a song by herself, even if she's not singing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, Missy can do anything she wants to do. Yeah, she can. She's a fuck superstar. She could do whatever the fuck she wants to do on this record, and it's going to sound dope. Absolutely. It makes sense because the next song is literally called Pass the Blunt, and it's so fucking, it's like, it's smooth, it's hard. She was bouncing. Like, this is crazy. I love the drum sounds on here. It's so, like, vintage, lo-fi sounding. Yeah, so Pass, pass the Blunt, I mean, you know, it's the old... um that old reggae song that they pass the duchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pass the blunt on the left hand side. Pass <laughs> the blunt <laughs> on the left hand side. My favorite part about this song is the end of it when the beat switches and it's entirely mouth sounds for the beat, like all beatboxing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yo, and Timbo sounds it's so stupid. fucking cool <laughs> when that happens. <laughs> I had a note yeah. about that too. The bit I said the beat and the breakdown is so fucking good. It is. He's so swaggy and cool in that fucking thing. And the way it comes in at Missy's melody after that breakdown, it just hits so fucking hard while she's singing so smooth. Yeah. It's so cool to me as a hip-hop head because, like, obviously beatboxing has always been a thing. And, like, mouth sounds in songs and in hip-hop was always a thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we've discussed a few times already, Timbo was one of the first to use those as instruments almost, right? hmm But this is is, like beatboxing mixed with instruments in like the most beautiful way because every sound you hear is a mouth sound but it doesn't sound like someone standing there beatboxing because he took them and made them into like digitalized computer versions of and it's just it almost sounds like the like a robot like a hip-hop robot from the future Mm -hmm. which i don't know i don't know if that sounds stupid but that's how it sounded to me back then it's it's it i this is also the first this is also the first song where you really hear Missy talk about her and Timbo like together like you know Timbo got the beats that make you bump 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 like that shit yeah. like the chorus itself like she's like yo it's not just me here like y'all not fucking with both of us like and you know he's I, the one making the beats I never yeah. ever knew until researching stuff for this album that I mean I knew they'd been friends for a long time but for some reason in my head and maybe it's probably some weird deep sexism or some shit but for some reason I always thought that Timbo put Missy on but it's the opposite. When she Completely got when she got her deal, she was like, "By the way, if I'm coming, I'm bringing my friend Tim and his He's friend with me. his friend Melvin, who's Magoo, and they're coming mm-hmm. with me." And they were like, "Okay, well, if that's how we get you here, they can come." Wow. And I think Take it's cool on. that you know, like you said, it's it shows how how entwined they are. But they literally were because it was like us or nothing, and that's such a cool attitude. Right. And then, and then I like again, that. I li- again, this is why I really liked the backstory that you gave for this album. It shows in the story they got dropped, they got shelved, and it's just like, yo, you got nothing now. 
all right, well, shit, we want to sign you, shit. And what I read was when they when they first got back to VA after Missy got dropped, um, you know, they were still kind of writing for people, but really had no direction as a as their own artists. When they first got the offer to fly to Detroit and help produce and write for Aaliyah, Timbo told Missy, like, I don't know if that's a good idea because what we're doing is so different. I don't know if Aaliyah or any of those people are going to like it. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't even sure because they were so unique. They were almost having, like, second guessing of, you know, should we be trying this? And then mm-hmm. Aaliyah and her people heard it and were like, what? Get get to fucking Detroit now and, and help us do this out. That's why Aaliyah yeah. was so fucking good. Rest in peace. She. That's why her music was so good. Absolutely. Timberland. <laughs> Absolutely. Timberland. <laughs> and I think the next song is the perfect interlude on any track because it is a straight up song like, yo, y'all not fucking with our style. It's, straight it's, up. It's, and you want to bite it. That's what you want to do. You want to do this. You know you want to do this. You can't fuck with me. It's the similar vibe to you don't want to fuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wish this was a whole song. Me too. Yeah, me too. That's that's my only complaint about this is that it's not long. Well, so, but I also think of, you know, even though by 97 cassettes were kind of going away, you know, a lot of artists were still in that mindset of like side A, side B. Which, yeah, which vir- no longer vinyl exists. Too. Vinyl, t- vinyl too. I mean, but even now, like no one's thinking with that in mind. Some people are, well, but they're not. Right. They're not mainstream. You know what I mean? I didn't mean like literally yeah. not one single person, but um, I think you know Missy and Timbo came up in the early '90s making music, and I think this was probably meant to be like the end of side A. Yeah, Most it feels definitely, that way. it feels that way. Which it also the beat be- here is so good. I'm mad it's not longer. Yeah. And I, this is the one point I'll say before we take our break. I think Timbo is the best at letting the beat linger. He yes. just lets the beat ride. Yeah. The song is over, and he'll just give you like 25, 30 more seconds of the song. And he'll throw in like one little different is, thing. One just, little, like, you know, a little sound just effect, to fuck something with you. different. Yeah. Just to give you something new. He's just, he, 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 he thinks his beats are so good that he's just like, I'm just going to play them. And then you can't do nothing. You can't help yourself. It's like, yo, you really are that good. Holy shit. I don't want the song to end. I think that's also part of being an actual producer, first of all, not just a beat maker, right? Mm-hmm. But also yep. the fact that even though this is a Missy Elliott album in title, this is a Missy and Timbo album. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So I think the intent was to let him do his thing too. 100%. I think it shows how serious he is like he's not trying to be anybody else he really is a one of one and he tried to do that and is doing that and showed that off rip with this album like yo there's no no, nobody's gonna do anything like me you can't copy me at all and it shows but they'll try to bite it yeah they'll try to bite it and that is a great place for us to take our break yes so we are going to be right back with the rest of our discussion of missy elliott's Super duper fly on Killer Mike wants you to be a survivor. That's right, one half of Run the Jewels, Mr. Killer Mike. His new product, Killer Mike's Go Bags. And if you know anything about Killer Mike, he really seems like the kind of guy who would keep a go bag right next to him. At all times. It seems like he has that level of cultural understanding and paranoia. 
That's why Killer Mike is releasing a brand new line of Killer Mike's Go Bags. These bags are 18 pocket bags that can fit anything and everything you could conceivably need. Get it out at a moment's notice. Say you're going to move to Alaska, completely change your identity. Because you may have done something moderately to severely illegal. Who knows? You don't know. Maybe the big one comes. Maybe there's an earthquake. That's why Killer Mike is releasing these go bags. You can fit everything you can conceivably need. You can fit all of your toiletries. Um, There's a compartment for a gun on this thing. These go bags are made of the highest quality nylon fabrics, indestructible, waterproof. You can keep everything you need with you at all times with Killer Mike's go bags. Mike has personally prepared a limited amount of fully stacked go bags so you can survive like Mike. A fully stacked Killer Mike go bag is only for the most resourceful, so Mike has hidden 420 bags throughout the USA. Mike has prepackaged these 420 bags with all the essentials. Toothpaste, a flashlight, MREs, instruction on who to contact to get a new identity, Bernie Sanders campaign posters, an eighth of weed, a really big fucking gun, a pair of LP sunglasses, $300 and $1 bills for emergency trips to the Gentleman's Club. The catch? You will be required to follow a series of clues to find one. To get your first clue to finding your own Killer Mike Go Bag, go to KillerMikesGoBags.com. That's KillerMikesGoBags.com. You can fit the whole world in these bags. Yo, welcome back to Gold Dome Rush. You already know what it is. It's your man, Andrew Barrow, and I'm back. And we are talking about Missy Elliott's Super Duper Fly. And you know I'm here with Pat and Rick. Yes, yeah, sir. yeah. So let's get back into it. We yeah. back up in it. We back up in it. So let's pick up where we left off. Yeah. We have Friendly Skies featuring yes. Genuine. So first of all, I always loved Genuine from the first time I heard him. Yes, he's good. Uh, that, what is it? Is it a vocoder that he uses? What is that? I'm not sure that what that is. Yeah. Yeah, whatever boy. that is. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, it almost, sounds like a, it almost sounds like a voice box for a guitar, but I don't necessarily know what effect it is. But yeah, he did, he did overuse it in the 90s. Eventually sure. he did, yeah. yeah. But like this was the first time I had heard it, and it sounds cool, and it's another example of, you know, using the voice in another way other than just singing, which is awesome. For sure. Uh, it's a more slow song. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a very R&B song, obviously. Yeah. What I noticed about this song, listening to it now, was for some reason it Im- immediately made me think of one of my least favorite things Timbaland ever did and one of my least favorite pop songs ever, which was that song Carry Out. It was like Timbo and oh, Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake joint. Yeah. Because I always thought that that extended. I don't think I know that song. Oh, it's it's the entire song is. I ex- do not like that joint. It's an extended concept song, like extended metaphor about basically about like sex being fast food. Yeah. Okay. It's a stupid. It's a stupid. It's a stupid song. That's fine. And this kind of reminded me of that only because the whole song is like an extended metaphor of like making love in reference to it being flying. Mm-hmm. Right, but this song does it so much better. It doesn't like force anything weird. No. What I will what I will say about this song is, 
I recognize that this is a very good R&B song, but this is not for me. Yeah, me either. There's something about the 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 slow jammy production is not something that I like really in any in any form. It right. has it has some of the least bounce of the album too. Yeah, it's a, it's a straight up R and B song for me. Yeah. I mean, just because because I like R and B, this song's right in pocket for me. I've I've mm-hmm. always liked this one, but I know other people that also like it like that too. So, yeah, I recognize it's a good song, and I feel like they almost had to do. Not that they forced it, but they had to do a song or two like this because this was their bag that they were known for already. Yes, which is why these two songs, um, this one and then also the next one, right. that's why they're back-to-back like that. Yeah, and I think it was kind of like them showing that, oh, we can also do what we had been writing for you ourselves. Yes. So, And, you know, they, they were showcasing Genuine, who was part of their, part of their crew. Part of the crew, so. yep. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad song, but it's not my favorite on the album either. Right. Which I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I get it. I get that. I realize it's a good song, and I just, I, you know, I'm not, I don't really like R&B like that. Yeah, and like yeah, you said, Drew, I mean, it's similar to the next one, Best Friends featuring Aaliyah. Yeah. I love Aaliyah, though. I love Aaliyah. I really love Aaliyah. This song is good. I really miss Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another, yeah. another cool concept that, that ties back to Missy doing a lot of independent woman and female solidarity. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. the concept of the song is basically their two female best friends who are telling each other like why are you doing this this dude's no good but no matter what i got your back yeah right. but this like this isn't like the slow jammy production though no this it's not. is a this is another fucking smash yeah, of a beat. yeah. Mm-hmm. this beat is a fucking smash it is it's so simple but the bounce is in this one see pat if you like this if you like this one especially if you like it a lot more than the last one if you're not too familiar with Aaliyah's first album one in a million you would like it yeah no i know Aaliyah's album, nothing but a number is very good yeah like and, you know, Aaliyah was just, she was only 18 or so at this oh, point. Oh, man, younger than that. Oh, yeah. at this point? Yeah, at this point. She was, yeah, she was probably 18, but, a young 18. But she was just, she always she had such a, a natural style. Mm-hmm. Like, it just sounded like she woke up, hopped in the studio, right out of bed, and just made beautiful music. Yeah. It's, and, and she's been like that from the, from the jump. And, you she's know, just, but this song is, this song's an example of really good, pop song writing Absolutely. i wouldn't even call this r&b i think this is more of a pop song even the way the verses are structured mm-hmm. it's structured in a very classic pop music way like every single line in the verse is like my best friend say yeah. and then she does the thing mm-hmm. my best friend say. i'm actually very surprised it's it wasn't very a single pop it's very pop music songwriting and a very good example of it as well yeah I, like looking back i don't know why this wasn't a single Especially considering that part of why they Missy and Timbo were able to yeah we're, we're get able to, to that get, point where they yeah. were at is because they wrote and produced the majority of Aaliyah's album and it was huge. Mm-hmm. I well, I mean it's interesting that they didn't make it a single, but also maybe they didn't want it to be a single. They were just like, "Yo, we're not that we're not we're not leaving that one on the floor." Well, maybe they also didn't want it to seem like they were trying to just like you know hop on Aaliyah's coattails because. If anything, Aaliyah, Aaliyah's sound existed because of them and not vice versa, but like the, mm-hmm. general, the general audience wouldn't know that. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to do that. They were just like, nah, we're, we're, we're making our own sound. We're doing our own thing right now. I miss Aaliyah a lot. I do. Me too. For the real. The other thing I really love about this song is the harmonies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. the harmonies. They're great. This and this is a really good example of how good Missy's voice is because Aaliyah yep. is not a slouch as a singer. Not that she's like, no. you know, she's not 
the rangiest and most amazing natural singer, but she's a singer. Mm-hmm. And Missy hangs right in there with her. Oh, yeah. I almost wish they had done more just singing songs together. Me too. That's exactly, it's a bittersweet song because it's so good. And even now when I hear it, it's good. It's an R&B song that could be out right now, which I also think is really dope and shows how timeless a lot of these songs are. But I really wish they did some more shit together. Like gave us a, like, like even a little album, something. Cause I know they worked together. So it's like, shit, man. Could you imagine? Wait, before we talk about the next song, Pat, did you see the note that just popped up? What? Google just told us our call is going to end in five minutes. Why? Because, Why? because I guess it said free group chats only can last an hour. Is that a new it's thing? Never, it's never happened. Look in the bottom right. Is there a little blue clock? Oh, wait. Uh, no, no, it's not, a, it's not a clock anymore. Now it's a party hat. Now it's a party hat. It's, it's Google's way of telling you we're having a good time. We're having a good time now. You gave us some yeah, money. Yeah, you paid $8 a month <laughs> to do what you do every week. That's right. Now That's how we get you. Surprise. Fun. Surprise. Give us some money, bitch. You know you're going to give it to us, yeah, too. You know you're going to pay. Can't, because we're you can't Google. do it without it. You can't. You need us. We're Google. You you're going to give us all your money. You know what it feels like us. sometimes? Come on. Come on. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. Come on. Bring it in. Give me a hug. You, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's $8. It's fine. It's, fine. it's eight fine. Listen, you're having it's a good okay. time. Just spend it's okay. And then, Google, and then Google's really over here just coming in my, my face. Just coming in my face over here. Give me your money. Just coming in my like I'm a fucking bitch. And I'm sitting here like, don't be coming in my face. Oh, man. Don't be coming in my face. <laughs> So that's the next track, yes. right? That's the next track, yes. But I was going to say, like, I'm a child, and obviously this song is not about that at all. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but it, but looking at the title makes me laugh. Yes. Every time. It doesn't me matter. Too. Every time. And she I knows. Mean, I'm a child. She knows I'm it. a child as well, too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a comedian. I, I think everything is funny. This title is absolutely hilarious. She, knows she knew it. what she was she doing. Knew, she knew what she was doing when she, she called she this, doing. don't be coming She's, in my face. She knew well, what especially, she was doing. The way it's stylized, like don't be coming and then parentheses in my face. face. Right. Because it's like you can come. It's not in my face. Pretty much anywhere else. It's not in my face, though. It's not in my face. Just put it on my stomach, nigga. (laughs) (laughs) On the back. Just get it on my back. Definitely not in her hair, though. <laughs> don't get it in my hair. She didn't say nothing about her hair. She didn't say nothing about her hair. That's understood with a girl with a perm like that. She didn't say nothing about it. No. She should have said, don't be coming in my face or my hair. That's what the song should be called then. In or around my above shoulder yeah. area. Don't be coming above my shoulder line. <laughs> you know what's funny for the people for the people that don't know us. We we did a podcast before this, and we would talk about porn a lot, <laughs> a lot. And now we're back to doing that right now, just because of a song title. <laughs> because we're all children. <laughs> we're dirtbags too. That's the problem. I'm, I made a note in my notes for this for this podcast episode. Uh, my note. My first thing I wrote under this song title was the title LOL. And I was like, I'm going to bring this up. And they're going to be like, Rick, you're being a child. And I should have known better. Well, no, I was I was going to say the same thing. So so to talk about this actual song now, um, listening to this song now, the beat immediately sounded like a Neptune's beat to me. 
It does sound very sure. Neptune. So, which, and I always knew, you know, Pharrell and, and Timbo and Missy all from Virginia. All from Virginia. And I knew they knew each other, but I never knew the depths of it. So I looked it up. So Pharrell and Timbaland are cousins, first of all, which I never knew. Wow, I didn't wow. know that. Wow, I didn't know that either. I didn't know so that, that at that all. Blood, that bloodline is just They're fine. having real nice family barbecues. Right. Yeah. So then I, I also found out that when they were in their teens, the first group that either of them were in was together. It was Timbaland, Pharrell, and two other guys, and the group was called Surrounded by Idiots. Wow. Okay. They never actually made any music together, at least nothing that was ever released. So they, they remained friends, of course, and they were family, but they kind of went their own paths trying to make it in the industry. Right. And they both pretty much got discovered almost exactly the same way at the exactly same time. Wow. Timbo, Timbo with Missy, because Missy was, you know, had sung for an R&B group and was making R&B, and they were R&B producers and songwriters. Mm-hmm. For, Pharrell was doing the same thing and was discovered by Teddy Riley at, like, a talent show. Mm-hmm. But almost, like, within six months of each other, they both were quote-unquote, discovered and put on to their career path by separate R&B entities pretty much doing the same thing. Wow. That is so crazy, bro. Good for them. They're f- and, and their family, and it makes sense. It's like, of course you all are on the same path, but not on the, like, not really doing your boat, like, doing your own thing. It's crazy. And their styles, their styles side-by-side side as producers, Pharrell and Timbaland, are not too similar, but compared to everyone else, they're pretty similar. And it makes sense that they came from the same place. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. no one else sounds like Timbaland or the Neptunes. And not that they sound like each other, but they sound more like each other than anybody else. That's true. Right. That um, makes a lot other of cool sense. Other random, cool random side fact that I was, as I was uh, researching that and found out they were cousins and all that shit, um, they went to high school together. And also, you know who went to high school with Timbaland? Who? Um, Pusha and Malice of the Clips. Oh, wow. It, makes, it all makes sense. Virginia it, is... Big, but it's small. Uh, Pharrell gosh. didn't really Pharrell didn't really know them then, but Timbo was friends with the Thornton brothers in high school. Wow, oh, that's so fucking cool. Jeez, look at this all that. There's a hot bed of dope music. Everything is full there. circle. God. Everything is full circle what's out in the, there. What's in the water there in really, that town? There really is something in the water, like the fucking Jeez. festival that, that Pharrell throws out there now, which is like one of the biggest festivals like music-wise now, and he only did it like twice so far. God damn. There's something there really is something in well, the water over there. I will it's say crazy. this. I will say this about this actual song. This I wrote as a comment to this song. I should stop talking about the beats because there's nothing else to say. It's another fucking absolute smasher of a goddamn beat. It, it is. Sure is. It's so it fucking sure good. It's so good. And it's another, you know, it's another well structured, almost pop it's song. It's a pop song. Yeah. With a good with a good concept. Well structured pop song, good concept, great execution, great song structure, beautiful melodies. It's a good mm-hmm. song. And it's all, it's more of Missy, you know, taking charge of a relationship situation. Yep. More more independent, strong woman, which is, is dope. Yeah. And when she goes, shake them off like jello. Yeah. Another it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. <laughs> Another thing that should be silly, but it just worked. It's so fu- it's so fucking good. Yeah, this is a great one. All right. It is. Next track we got Izzy Izzy Ah. So this is another one that was my favorite when this album came out for obvious I love reasons. I this shit, man. Izzy it's Izzy more, is a good track. It's more of them using their own language. Like, yeah. It's nonsense words, but they make it it's awesome. It's very ODB. Well, That's why I love this it. This song specifically 
uh, in style reminds me of Busta. I was a lot. I had that as a note. She really yeah. gives it Busta flows, mm-hmm. right? And she gives it Busta style ad lib tracks too. Yeah, and it's almost um, again sort of like what I said about Timbo and Pharrell. Like, not that Missy and Busta were very similar, but they were more like each other at the time than most other people. Yeah, they were because the, they were making silly, fun music for sure. Yeah. You know, they weren't trying to be hard or trying to be gangsters or mafioso or drug dealers or, you know. Yeah, Bust was his own dude. Yeah, they were, yeah. They were both just kind of just, just fun, just yeah, having fun. They were the only ones doing it that broke through the mainstream. Right. They were mm-hmm. the only ones that got that respect on that level. Yeah, this song is great. Uh, I love her, her ad-lib tracks. Like I said, they feel very Bust the Bust. The bass line I wrote sounds like Rage Against the Machine. I wrote this as a Rage Against the Machine bass line. Yeah, she does a lot of, like, not just the silly language. Like, uh, Missy always used onomatopoeia as, like, parts of a verse. Yep. You yep. know? They want to brrr. Like, yeah. I don't know. I love this song. It's so much fun. It's a, it's a fun song. It's very good. It's a good one. I like the hook a lot. The hook is just nonsense words, but it's so fire. It is. Yeah. But it's so fucking good. She's blizzy, blizzy, blah, they, blah, they, blah, they. Like, what, bro? <laughs> but it sounds so good. <laughs> None of y'all. That's not even a word. <laughs> well, it's just saying like anything you're saying. Like this is all I hear. Right. It's just this fucking, is what this I hear. Easy, easy, talking they. Hard bitches be talking they. Rah, rah. Just To me, this hook is this hook is telling us that to Missy and Timbo, every other rapper sounded like the adults in Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, no. I'm sorry. And Charlie Brown. Just everything you guys say is nonsense because we're just the best. Yeah, we don't even hear we we don't even hear you. <laughs> Love it. So I'm gonna make up a song and just call it Izzy Izzy Ah and just yeah, have just you like, all sitting there like what? Fucking blah blah blah. And you're still gonna fucking bop to it because that's how good we are. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so much fun. Great fucking oh, song. Oh, the attitude. The attitude of it all. Uh. Great fucking track. Okay. So the next song is my least favorite song on the album. Yeah, I don't like this one. Why you heard it? Mine too. It's, it's super slow. I don't like it. It is. I do feel like this was m- very obviously written for someone else initially. Yeah. Here's why I don't like it. It's almost like too serious of a concept. For it this, is. It doesn't fit. And you know what it reminds me it's a lot much, of? It's too much of a mood shift change for it sure. It reminds me of TLC Waterfalls. Yeah, because but not it's not as, as well as, done. It's not as bouncy at all. No, it's, no, it's a not very bouncy. feel. I mean, it's it's so R and B, but it was it's, it's it's an R and B song that's an emotional song, and it's like, why'd you put that on there? That doesn't need to be on here. You could have left this one off, right? Yeah. It's a good song, but it seems lost here. Yeah, could have left it fit. off. It doesn't fit at all. Um, I did I did like the a lot of the production. I did like uh, the beat is very smooth. Um, the subtle guitar sound in there is really yeah. pretty. Uh, that's also that, a note I took. And that bended note that cuts through. On mm-hmm. It has that little riff, but that one note just cuts through, and it gives it a really nice, somber mood. It's a really well-produced song. I mean, the, ver- the verses are good. They're not bad. It's Not just at a, all. It's, it's a, like a lower-energy song, though. I wouldn't even necessarily yes. call it a slow jam. It's just got low energy. It didn't need to be on here. No, that's not the vibe I want on this album. No, I could do without it for sure. It's because I think it's because it's it's not just the energy; it's like the tone. Yeah, yes. even, even on other songs where there's you know potential heartbreak or whatever else, she's at least having fun with it. 
And this mm-hmm. one feels like she's sad too. Yeah, right. it doesn't sad fit the as tone. Well. Right. Especially coming off a song of Izzy Izzy Ah, yeah. you just had all this bop and you just had so much fun. And then this comes on and it's like, what the fuck? Tr- skip, skip, bro. Skip. I'm probably nitpicking for bad things to say because it's still a good song and I didn't skip it. It, it is still a good song. Yeah, I, and I don't skip it. It's really just, well produced. It just doesn't do, fit. It doesn't need to be on. It just doesn't need to be on the album. Doesn't right. fit on this record. And especially when it's sandwiched between the next song, too. I'm talking. Like, that doesn't. Yes. Again, the beat, the bop in this one is real as fuck. Like every song it's on this good. album has a bop, mm-hmm. front to back. Every single one. The slow song doesn't work. It's another song I loved then a lot because it's more of that like braggadocio, like I'm the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think is really simple and fun is the fact that on the hook, she tells you that she's such a good rapper, but she sings it. Yes. And yeah. I just always thought that was a funny tongue in cheek thing to do. Yeah. Like like she's literally singing to tell you that she's good at rapping. And, and she's not even saying it in any kind of metaphorical way where no, people usually no. say this kind of thing. She's just like, I'm such a good rapper. Yeah, like exactly. She's just saying it. And and I think the fact that... My style's the I bomb was, biggie. I think it was clearly intentional for her to sing that because it's yeah. almost like saying, like, I'm such a good rapper. I don't even have to rap to tell you that. No. Yeah. And then that's when, and then she really drives the point by saying, I'm su- su- such a good rapper. Yeah, I'm a good rapper. I'm such a good rapper. And I think, <laughs> I think one of my favorite pairs of bars of all time is, I make myself sick. I'm so motherfucking bad to the bone, like my titties on full blown. I yeah. love that. <laughs> There's so much swag yeah, in that. Mead. There's so yeah, much it's swag mead. in that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just bad and I know it. I know I'm bad. It's all Missy swag and confident. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a great track. Love it. It really is. It's a great track. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. We got yeah. Getaway. Getaway. Again, it's another one I feel a little, I feel a little forgettable. I love this beat though. Yeah. Yeah. You can't deny any of the beats. A lot of the beatboxing shit again. This is the one where, I know I kind of said it earlier, but this is the one where this, the beatboxing sounds on this almost sounded to me like a, like a robot's idea of hip hop in the future. Right. Like, like it doesn't sound like a straight, I mean, I'm sure he put it through all sorts of filters and whatever else, but um, I, this beat is one of my favorite beats on the album as much as I agree. The song is whatever, but it's mostly because the features are meh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found the whole song to be kind of forgettable. Even the beat, like this was a beat that I thought was a little forgettable. I didn't love it. I also love the flex at the end, towards the end of the song, where she's like ad-libbing, right? And she says like, you know, I sing my own shit, I write my own shit, I rap my own shit. Yeah. And then she, she follows that up by flipping Aaliyah's One in a Million. Mm-hmm. But she wrote that. <laughs> that's why it's so fun. Yeah, so like, that's why, I, it's, not, why it's, that's it's, why it's a flex, though, too. That's, that's, why it's that's, a exactly, flex. that's exactly what I mean. Like, she, she literally was like saying, I sing and write my own shit. And a lot of people might not have known she wrote One in a Million. Right, right. So then she says, you know, here's this huge song that you all know. Well, guess what? That's mine too. Yeah. And it's just, I, I love that. Like, again, it's her confidence and, and swag of like, I'm the fucking best. I've been getting money. I'm getting big money too. I'm getting, I'm getting a big check. I'm not getting a yeah. rapper check. I'm getting a writer check. And these, these <laughs> them's different. These, <laughs> these features are dog shit though. I don't yeah, like they're not the features. Good. They're the, Nicole Ray they're was okay. Good. They're like the most disappointing features on the record for sure though. Aaliyah and Genuine is 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 fine for me. And a brat. And a brat and 702. But Lil' Kim sucks. 
And and <laughs> I didn't I didn't I don't I don't need Kim on there. I don't mind Nicole Ray on this song, but that other Space Nine is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. That they don't need. He didn't need to be here. That's. I think I like that. Nicole Ray has a bar like some about girls shitting in their panties, and something about that just makes me feel uncomfortable because like I've heard people say shit your pants a million times, but something about using the word panties there just is fucking weird. So where are we at the outros? Yeah, well, I mean that's basically where we are. Well, we were on Getaway, and then yeah. do we have any other thoughts on Getaway before we move no, on to the outro? I don't think so. The album? No. Okay, then let's move on to the outros. There's two outros to this album, which mm-hmm. is a little unorthodox. The first outro is Busta's outro. Yeah, it annoys me a little. Like yeah, I said, this I, I feel is unnecessary. It was. It is. I didn't think. I don't think we. I don't think we needed. I don't think we needed an outro. No, he's hyped though. He but is. I guess also, you know, if 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 they thought that giving Busta an intro was part of, uh, you know, the cinematic experience of this album. It makes sense to cap it off with him as well, I guess. Right. It is weird to just have two things that are outros, though. Yeah. And the Busta outro is not necessary. I would have been fine with the Missy outro. Yeah, so the Missy outro, what I said when I it made the intro make sense to me, and it kind of makes a lot of the album make sense to me, because it's like a Missy Elliott album, but it's really a Missy Elliott and Timbaland album. And Magoo's on it, and he's always around. And Busta popped into the studio, and he liked it, so he rapped on it. And she just, at the end, she just kind of, she sounds really innocent and also very grateful. Yes, she for is. For all the people involved in helping her make the project come to life. Yes. And it makes the intro feel really special in a it way. Does. Like, it just felt like there was so much positive energy there. It's a good point. It, it does. It does. I think that's why... I would have been fine with no Buster outro and just ending it with that because that yeah. outro that 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 Missy outro is very it's very honest it's very transparent and it's and it's really dope how she just is just being grateful like yo this is cool like this is really dope thank you to thank everybody you all to help me make seriously this. this is this was a a great experience and she just had to like just be appreciative for it I think that's awesome. Yeah. And and you know it's real because she literally brought her friends with her to get there. Yeah. yeah. And they had just gone through some shit and they were on a come up yeah. and they just made the dopest record ever and they right. knew it. And they knew it, bro. And they they knew, it. knew it. They knew they it. They knew what was on there. They, they knew what, they what was going on. They knew what they did in that two weeks. And she was just so overwhelmed, I think. And the the only way she knew how to just get it out but still be able to be transparent and real was to just do that outro i think that was awesome all right so i think this is going to conclude our discussion of missy elliott's super duper fly yeah now the time has come for us to give our final thoughts on this favorite part and rank it on the order of rust to to gold and today we will begin with mr rick strip jr Cool. So this album is dope, obviously. Um, Timbo, Timbo and Missy literally changed the game. Um, you know, Timbo did a lot of things that were unique to him at the time and kind of changed a lot of how people were making rap records and pop records. Uh, like I said, I love that it's kind of R&B through a hip-hop lens. I love that the amount of fun they have, which I know we talked about a few times, but it's kind of why... I didn't listen to this album as much as I should have when it came out because, like I said, I was so caught up in the 
the East West beef and the, you know, thug life music and boot, like all the stuff that was more street. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think myself and a lot of people kind of lost for a minute that even though hip hop has always been that too, right? It's the, the outlet for the poets of the streets. It also was party music. And Timo and Missy kind of reminded everyone, like, let's also have some fucking fun with this. Yeah. I also think that Timbaland's production, people used to say then that it sounded like it came from the future. But what's interesting now is we're in the future and it still sounds like that. Yes. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's on another level. And, yeah. and the specific way that relates to how I'm going to wrap up my rating and our show is, to me, that's the definition of timeless. It, for sure. it is like when you create something that for sure. you can't pin down the time, it might be because it doesn't need one or have one. This, this soundscape that they created with this album and, you know, in a lot of their work together in their career literally exists in this, in its own space. Mm-hmm. Somehow almost 25 years after they did this, it still sounds like it's coming from 25 years from now. Yeah. And I think it always, I think it always will. Even though there's some parts of the album that are downers for me, at no point do I think there's any piece of a bad song anywhere on this album at all. And like I said, if we're talking about how things age, right? Gold don't rust. This yeah. has aged beautifully because it doesn't have an age or a time. At all. It's well, ageless. And even though this isn't normal, my normal pocket of what I choose to listen to hip-hop, even though I love Missy, right? It's not my normal favorites. This is a gold album, and it's... It's almost unquestionable to me. Right on. Yeah. Okay. And now we are going to go to Mr. Andrew Barrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I loved this album at 13. I loved this album at 20. I loved this album at 24. I loved this album at 28. I loved this album at 30. I loved this album at 33. This album is ageless. It's timeless. Nothing sounds like this album now. It's it doesn't make sense. And listening back to it, there is not one weak song on this album at all. It's 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 one through seventeen of just pure, just gold. It's gold. This album is straight up gold. It I don't think it'll ever rust. It doesn't. It it can't rust. Because it's ageless. Right. Two golds. Will Missy Elliott, Super Duper Fly, be the third entrant into the Golden Record Club to join oh, the likes on. of Come on. Wu-Tang Forever Come on. and Jay-Z Rizzo. Come on. Every single beat on this album is one of the best beats I've ever heard. I think this is... Timbaland's best production of his career also. He's made some great things otherwise. Every beat on this album is an absolute fucking smash. Missy Elliott is effortlessly cool. All of her melodies are incredible. I am mad it took me to the age of 36 to really listen to this record. No one ever told me to. No one ever told me to, and it passed me by. It was another thing that was on MTV when I was a kid. I didn't know. I liked the song, but I didn't know. 
I didn't right. know. I'm didn't mad know. at you guys for not telling me this sooner. Both of you fucking gave me some hip hop education. Fuck you for not putting <laughs> me onto this sooner. That's real. Thank God we did this now. This yeah. record is fucking fantastic. I could not love this more. It's a gold record. Welcome, Missy Elliott. Well deserved. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> this is a gold fucking record. I love this album. Holy yeah, shit. Man. Yo, let yo let the listeners know over here at Gold Dome Russ, we really, we really do give people their flowers where it's deserved, bro. Hell yeah. That's real. Think of the three albums we have in the Gold Club so far. They're very different. Yes, all three of them. But they're all fucking incredible albums. But all three of them are incredible in their own way. And what I think really stands out about this album as we wrap up talking about Super Duper Fly is if you just think of it in the context of the other two things that we so far have rated as all gold, Wu-Tang Forever and Reasonable Doubt. There's plenty of people in my life that I could play those two albums for that wouldn't really appreciate it. I don't think I know anyone who I could play this record for who wouldn't feel it in some way, shape, or form. Right away. Like, you can't deny it. It's undeniable. Boomers, maybe. Boomer dads. No, but it's just, <laughs> at, least, at least they could appreciate the fun of it or the tone of it, right? Right. Like, I could maybe. see... There's some, yeah. there's some pretty curmudgeon boomer dads out there. You're on your way, Rick. But at least you'll be one that likes Missy Elliott. I'll be I'll be angry on my front porch yelling Rick, at the kids get off my lawn in my fucking in my dads, trash bag. Bro. I'm gonna be in a blown up trash bag. Yeah, bro. Drinking a can of fucking Budweiser, yelling at the kids to get off my lawn. You are the game changer for the boomer dads, bro. It's you. You are the one. They're gonna follow you. Like, you gotta lead by example, bro. You gotta let it be known that like, hey, you know, this shit you may not understand it, but you can't deny it. It's a good thing I'm super duper fly. That's right. All right, so now it's time for a segment on our show. Today, we're going to be debuting a brand new segment on Gold Don't Rust. And since we are debuting this segment in an episode that has an album produced entirely by Timbaland, we are going to call this segment Timbo Barker. So this is a Price is Right rules game. Tim Bob Barker. It's what we're calling this game from now on. And today... In the first edition of Tim Bob Barker, you gentlemen are going to be guessing the number of YouTube views okay. for songs that Timberland has produced for various artists throughout his career. Okay. The official music videos on the official artist pages. Gotcha. Okay. And it's Price is Right rules, of course. Price mm-hmm. is Right rules. The closest without going over All right. wins. I'm ready. He's got some smashes. I'm going to I'm going to flip this dong coin to yeah. see who goes first. Uh, Drew, call it in the air. Heads. It's tails. Rick, we're going to start with you. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, wait, wait, wait. If I won the coin toss, I could choose. I want Drew to go first. Oh wow. Okay. Right, there we go. That's fair. All right. Yeah, that's a new fair. rule. He won the coin toss. That's a new rule. Okay. So to begin, Drew. On Missy Elliott's official YouTube page, mm-hmm. how many views does The Rain, Super Dupa Fly, have? We're starting on theme with the record. On her official YouTube? Her official, Missy Elliott's official YouTube page as of today, July 12th, 2021, when we're recording. Uh, 10 million. 10 million from Andrew Barrow. Okay. Rick Strip Jr. 
I think it's way more than that. Uh, I could be a pussy and just say like 10 million and one, but I'll save that bullshit for a more important moment. I'm going to say 25 million. Wow, Rick, you should have been a dick because Is Andrew just Barrow gets the point. Missy Elliott's The Rain has 23,214,765 views. Drew. Wow. Drew. Bad strategy. I got it. You get one Fuck. point. That's a bad strategy. 23 million. Damn. All right. That's okay. it. Okay. No, more, no more fucking to the neck now, Drew. Oh, right, let's get it. Dick moves are on. <laughs> okay. Next up, Drew. Since you won... Rick is going to go first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rick, how many views on Chris Cornell's official YouTube page does the song Part of Me have? Chris Cornell, produced by Timbaland. How many views does Part of Me have? I don't even fucking know what song that is. Ah, but it's produced by Timbaland. Uh, Chris Cornell was huge, I guess. Drew, get off your phone. You cheating over there? I don't know who the fuck that guy is. <laughs> You're looking up who I mean, Chris I, Cornell is. I know who Chris is. Cornell is, absolutely. I just don't know this song. I'm going to say... Uh, I don't know this man. <laughs> he was the lead singer of Soundgarden and Audio Slave. Yes. Oh, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 25 again. 25 I million. I have no idea. I don't even know this song. This is Rick Shrib's guess. Drew. Rick guessed 25 million for Chris... I don't know this song either. I just saw it on his production credit, saw it was a single, and looked up. How many views it had? I didn't listen to it then. Oh, Drew, how many oh. views does Chris Cornell, part of me, have on his official YouTube page? Oh, come, on, man. come on, white people. White people, oh, get my back here. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm suburban dope. I don't know this white man at all. <laughs> I've never heard his name before. You don't know, you don't know, uh, you don't know Audio Slave? You, the no. band Rage Against the Machine was after Rage Against the Machine without Zach. It was Chris Cornell instead. You don't know that? <laughs> No, I mean, I'm going to have to check that out now. I yeah, you're not going to describe that. him into remembering something he doesn't know. <laughs> I do. I, know. I just, maybe he didn't remember, maybe he didn't remember that he knew what Audio Slave was. I don't know. No, oh, I can see his face. Man. He has no idea who this I, is. I don't even know this song. So I'm just going to say, I, I'm Rick I'm said assu- 25. I'm assuming it's a big song. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say 26. You're both way over. It has 4,415,734. You guys didn't know what the song was. I don't think anybody does. Yeah, but... Uh, no, <laughs> but... Chris uses a lot. But Chris Cornell was huge. And I figured... He was. White people. I don't know. That's, I figured at least Drew would know who he was, but it, they, I, guess, I guess it's really white. Hell no. <laughs> okay. I did not know that Next one. up is something we'll all be familiar with. It's a curveball. Next thing we'll all be familiar with. How many views... On Jay Z's official YouTube page, mm. does the video for Big Pimpin' have? And since you both went over, we start with Drew. Big Pimpin'. 30 million. 30 million from Drew. Rick, what is your guess for how many views Jay Z's Big Pimpin' has? It has to be more. So you said 30? I said 30 million. Since I fucked up by not being smart last time, I'm going to say 30 million in one views. That is a dick move, and it worked out for you. Jay Z's yeah. Big Pimpin' has it's be like 100, 48, right? 48 okay. million, That's a lot. And 18 views. Rick, you are on the board. And now the beginning guess goes back to Drew. 
See, I've watched that video a lot of times because the video version has a Jay-Z verse that wasn't on the album. So I've watched it a bunch. Yeah, I love that verse. Oh, the there end. you go. <laughs> and again, it'll be my Okay, yeah. so the next one, the next one will be something we're all familiar with again. Most of these will be from here on out. So it's 1-1? One, one? It's 1-1. One, one. Tied up. Drew, you have to guess first. Okay. Hopefully it's somebody I know. How many views does the locks ride or die bitch have on the locks's official youtube page um mm. it is known as ride or die chick on the video i need a ride or die chick dun, dun, dun. okay ride um, or die bitch five, five million five million from andrew barrow rick what is your guess for how many views ride or die bitch has side note this is one of my favorite rap beats timbaland ever made Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love this song. Uh, it's the locks on their page. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm. I think it's under five. So one view. Wow, these dick moves are really working out for you. The locks <laughs> ride or die bitch has three million two hundred twenty-one thousand seven hundred and ninety-nine views as I of said today. Five. I was gonna go with three first. I should have just said it. Gotta love those price of right rules. That was good. That would have been a good one. Okay, so the next up, and we have to start again with Drew because Rick got another point. You so got to get two the, for me. You got to get the Drew. advantage back. It's like tennis. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and okay. one point for the ghost of Chris Cornell. That's right. <laughs> He's on the board. Fucking Chris Cornell. Um. So the next track or the next video, how many views on Ludacris's official YouTube page? Mm. Does roll out have? Roll out. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, that's my shit. Another he great beat. Destroyed that beat. Uh, 30 million. 30 million from Drew Rick. What is your guess? Hmm. When did that song come out? That was like early 2000s? Yeah, like I think 2002 or maybe 2000, say... the year 2000, I think. Or maybe even 2001. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 35 million. 35. No points are awarded. You both went over. Ludicrous roll out has 23,326,101 views. Rick is still up two to one. I'm mad at that. I think we're going to do another coin toss right now. Rick's up. We're going to try to get the advantage back. But Rick, you get to call it in the air. All right. Okay. Well, tails never fail, so we're going tails. It is heads. Ooh. Ah. Rick, Drew, can you? Yeah, I figured that was going to Rick can go first. Okay. Rick, how many views on Missy Elliott's official YouTube page? Okay. Does Get Your Freak On have? Oh, that's such a huge song. I know. Oh, my goodness. 40 million. That song is huge, Rick. No way. No way. All right, Drew. No way. Remember, Rick pulled a couple dick moves on you. No, I'm Don't be giving hints. Fuck the fuck the dick move. I'm going, I'm going high. I'm going way high. 120 million. You just lost the point for no fucking reason. It's got 59,516,610 views. It's 3-1. Rick gets another point. 
I wasn't that far I off, I, I guess. I, I mean, I get. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm way off. I'm fucking. <laughs> was like, it was fifty nine. Like I said one hundred and twenty. You literally doubled <laughs> it. Uh, Light years away. I was shooting high, man. All right, All now, right. Drew, we got to start with you. <sighs> okay, go ahead. How many views on Justin Timberlake's official YouTube page? Okay, does Cry Me a River have? Cry Me a River, oh, fifty million. Fifty million. Rick, what is your guess? By the way, I know I said "Ride or Die, Bitch" was my favorite Timbaland rap beat. This is my favorite R&B beat he ever made. One hundred percent is so good. Yeah, it is. I also sing this at karaoke sometimes, and I'm <laughs> terrible at it, and it's awesome. <laughs> so what, how many did you say, Drew? I said fifty million. On Justin Timberlake's official page, it's got to be more than that. I'm gonna say. I mean, I should be smart, but I'm whooping your ass, so I'll say 65 million. 65. Justin Timberlake's Crimea River has 399,398,886 views. Good Lord, the white women love that shit. That's got to be one of the highest music videos. 399. That's probably up there on the list as, as one of the most views. 398 million views? Good. 399 million. Good Lord. Good I mean, it's a great Lord. song. So that's so another point for me. Rick's up 4 yeah. 1. Um, Drew, not, all you I'm can do is tie this. if you get the next three in a row. Oh, if I get the next three in a row. If you get the next three in a row, you could tie. I but might Rick, get is, one. Rick is whooping your ass 4 I to 1. I might right get now. one. You know I'm what, though? The price is right. I never want to go down. <laughs> in the spirit of competition, I'll go first. All right. That's okay. cool. Fair enough. Rick, how many views? On Brandy's official YouTube page, does Who Is She To You have? Brandy's Who Is oh She To gosh. You, the official music video. How many views does it have? I don't think they're checking for that one. Five million. Five million. Now, Drew. Don't mm-hmm. do nothing. Don't say nothing. Remember, remember a, couple, like, a couple dick moves that Rick made. I'm just going to tell you a couple dick moves that he made. If you wanted to make a dick move, I don't know. Well, there's two ways you could do it, though. There is. And don't say another fucking word, Pat. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to say four million. Both over. It has 472,800 yeah, or 484. Nobody's checking for Brandy. That makes sense. Yes. That's a shame, though. Brandy was dope. Brandy is dope. Okay, next up. Let's keep it moving. Wait, so it's... Rick, no you're going to guess first again. No point uh, We'll keep going, but so, yeah, can't Rick, win now. Rick wins. Rick we'll wins. Hooray. Let's get through all of them, because the last <laughs> two were both surprising to me. Okay. How many views on the Pussycat Dolls official YouTube page does Wait a Minute have? The Pussycat Dolls Wait, wait a Minute. minute. <clears throat> Shit. Ten million. Well, is Rick guessing first? Well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to go higher and not pull a dick move because it's got to be huge. I'll, I'll say 50. 79,246,000. Yeah. 
and 80 fucking views. Pussycat dolls. They oh, were huge. Fuck, All right, now this last one is going to be worth four points. Maybe we can try. <laughs> <laughs> this last one's worth four points. Rick's either going to win 9-1. No, you already said I won. No, he won already for sure. All right, fine. Well, the last one's surprising to me, so let's do it anyway. I was trying to put okay. some excitement back at the end of the game. You know what? Fuck it. This one's worth five fucking points. All right? All right, five points. This one's worth five fucking points. This one decides it all. This Bullshit. one decides it all. You will okay. lose if you don't get this. Okay, Bullshit. let's get it. Okay, then. guys, right, let's do it. Okay, what is it? How many views on Nelly Furtado's official YouTube page uh, does "Say It Right" have? No fucking hints, Pat. Don't be helping him. Don't be coaching Say him. It right. Oh my. Gosh. And for this one, since it's worth five points, I want you to both write it down and show it to me. Oh, say yeah. it right. I don't have. I don't have nothing down. Put it on your down. phone. Yep. Write it down. Write it down. Because it's worth Say five it right. points. This one's right. going to decide it I'm all. I'm ready. Okay. Oh, my gosh. You Don't show it. Don't show it to him. Okay. Drew, I can't see your phone. I said 100. I said 50. Drew has, Drew Drew has won yeah. the first yeah. edition. It's bullshit. Of Tim Bob Barker with five <laughs> points at the end. Drew wins 6-1. <laughs> this is under protest. <laughs> Six one, maybe with an asterisk. How many views is it? Six one. That's an asterisk. Nelly Furtado, say it right. This is gonna blow your fucking mind, guys. No, it's a lot. Six hundred and twenty-two million. Four hundred and eighty-three thousand. Oh my gosh! And eighty-seven. Good lord. For Nelly Furtado, say it right. Wow, that's why she's not making no music. She getting that YouTube money. Cheated me out of a fucking W over here. Fuck you, Nelly Furtado. YouTube money. She getting to the bag for real with the YouTube money. Good Lord. Listen. $628 million? Good Lord. Listen, I, I was the host of the game. I can change the goddamn rules. I only made it five points, Rick, because you were mean about me trying to make, put some excitement at the end of the game. Well, you already told me I won. Well, I take it back. You didn't win. Drew won. <laughs> <laughs> we all win it doesn't this, matter this really. game is a rust for me <laughs> we all win so that's gonna do it for another episode of gold don't rust we are uh we're gonna give a shout out to the homie 360 yeah shout out 360 shout out to 360 for making the theme song the logo generally being a very yes, nice sir. man and making good music you can look him up on all of the things yeah, yeah. It's the Spotify, it's the Apple Music, mm-hmm. it's the SoundCloud, it's the 360. You type it in, you get the music, you have a good afternoon. And you know, while we're talking about our friends that make music, we have a mutual friend of all three of us who just put out three projects. Our friend, oh, yeah. uh, Charles Charles Only. Check out his music. Yeah. Give him a spin, Charles it's only. worth your time. Absolutely. That shit is actually really um, good. And we're on socials, it's called Don't Rust Pod. That's all I have to say about it. Even though yeah, this, on this whole episode is under protest, so no one might ever hear mm-hmm. it. So you can protest it all you want, Rick. You lost. <laughs> I changed the rules. Fucking moving That's the goalposts so on me, bro. <laughs> I'm just trying to add some excitement to the show. You want some excitement? The, uh, what we're talking about next week is very interesting. <laughs> what are we talking about next week, Rick? Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. Wow, uh, Beastie I'm, Boys, Paul. I'm Boutique. certain Pat has heard that album many times. Interesting. And I'm pretty sure Drew probably hasn't heard most of it. 
But there's this. I'm not familiar with this Beastie Boys album. There's some specific I'm familiar with Beastie Boys, but not this yet. one. But there's some specific reasons why I thought it'd be important to discuss this album um, that aren't specifically related to the album. But we'll wait. Interesting. Well, join us next week when we get sued because we don't clear our samples. <laughs> On.